the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. That's better. You're alive. It's good to see every one of you. Whether you're here in person, this is your regular church, or you're visiting, or you're joining us online via YouTube or Facebook, we're glad you're here today. If you haven't said, done so already, turn to the person nearest you and tell them you're glad to see them here. Amen. If you would turn with me to your Bible's book of John, chapter number 5. This is a story I'm sure in more than one occasion I have ministered from. Uh, but it's, don't, don't think that we're plugging into a former message. God's taken this in a very different direction. I think all of us have those stories in the Bible that God just keeps bringing to our mind again and again. And you just, it seems like you think you found the bottom of all the truth in it. And then he, he just pull, peels back the curtain and shows you something new. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I think he's going to do that with us today here. John chapter number 5. Verse number 1. After this... There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then, whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I'm a son who is eager to please his father and to do what I've been called to do, and yet even after all these years, I, the, the task is beyond my ability to, to accomplish. Holy Spirit, we need you today. 
We need you to do what you do so well, manifest truth in our hearts. I pray for liberty of spirit. I pray for clarity of thought. And I thank you as an act of faith for what you're going to accomplish in all of us today. Amen. This is one of these where you're going to have to, at least for the next few minutes, set aside all your preconceived notions about what this Bible story tells us. We know that this pool is called the Pool of Bethesda, and the word Bethesda literally means shame. This is the pool of shame. This is a, 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 a place where it was designed, where it had five porches, and down in the center of it was a pool of water. We don't know why that pool of water was there. We don't know what the original design of the building was, but it was a pool of water surrounded by five porches. And this pool, this, this place was open air. There were not walls. There was a roof, a partial roof, um, but it was placed right in the middle of the city, not geographically in the center, but the city is surrounding it. You, you, you would be... The, it had steps, think almost like bleachers, that, but they were stone steps that went up to the street level, and the pool sat down lower than the street level, and, and the top of the steps was at street level. And so this, this pool was placed in the middle of the city, and the people that went there, all of them are sick. They're maimed. They're lame, they're diseased, they're paralyzed, and they come there on the shred of hope that something could be different. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about the land of what if. Because you see, as they sat there, days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months, and as they sat there, Life happened all around them. There were people laughing and enjoying themselves literally feet away. There was a marketplace where deals were being made. What was happening inside of these five porches in, in their life seemed very different than the life that was going on just feet away. You know, it, it's even possible to be in part of a be part of a crowd and yet be alone. It's possible to be in a church and even be connected in the church and be alone. Where what's going on in your heart is so different than what's going on in the people in the pew next to you. I remember the first person in my life who passed away who was very close to me. It, it was my dad. And I remember going to the funeral home and standing outside and just gathering the strength to open the door and go in and, and prepare to go through this. And then the funeral home where my, my, my dad's funeral service was handled, it was 
across the street was a Friendly's ice cream store. And the funeral, I think it started at 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And I remember standing outside the door just trying to gather the strength just to go in. And there was families. There was a, specifically a family that was going into Friendly's ice cream. And there was a mom and a dad and two kids. And the kids were laughing. And I got angry. How could anybody be having fun on a day like today? I'm just being real with you. I'm being raw. It's like, does nobody understand what's going on today? And oblivious to my pain, obviously, they went in and had ice cream. And I went in and took part in a funeral service. I kind of think that's what these people felt like. What's wrong with me? Why why are they laughing right there? Why are they buying the needs for a meal they're going to prepare tonight? Why do they have families? Why do they have jobs? Why do they have happiness? Why do they go on with life and I'm stuck here? Can anybody relate to that? And the laughter that filtered its way into that room, into that gathering place, was like daggers in their heart. I'm sure as they looked around at everybody that was just as broken and busted and ruined and hopeless as they were, They wished they could be somebody else. They wished they could be someplace else. And yet life has them right here. Jesus walks into that, that mess, and I don't know how else to portray it. You know, I, I, I've seen a painting or two supposedly depicting this scene, and it's a beautiful white little palace type place with flowers and greenery and people sitting down in little blankets. And it's not what's going on. It's ugly. And you know, that's, that's the unfortunate place that some people get themselves into. On the outside, they can put on this show, but on the inside, it's just all ugly. It's just all ugly. And they don't know what to do with the ugly. And Jesus walks into that mess and he walks up to one man, one man who is there because he has palsy. It's a crippling disease. And he's not able to move like average person moves. And Jesus walks up to that man and asks him a question. Will you be made whole? The man answers the question by telling Jesus why he's sick. 
and even in the presence of an opportunity for healing, why he's still sick. I don't have anybody. There are people that are listening this morning, not just here present in an encounter gathering, but, but online that you may not have a physical palsy, but you have an emotional palsy. Something somebody did to you that crippled you. Somebody said something. Somebody treated you in a way that was not life-giving. It was death-instilling. Somebody cut you to pieces. It may have happened yesterday. It may have happened 40 years ago. But you're just sitting there while life happens around you. You go through the motions, you go through the, you, you even got a good laugh, you even got a good joke, you even can hide it fairly well, but you're really getting tired of just hiding it. There, there's got to be more to life than hiding. And the Holy Spirit has already touched you. You know exactly what he's talking about. You could almost go back to the moment. You could almost go back to the place. You certainly can say who it was and what they did. And because of this palsy this man had, for 38 years, he was crippled. 38 years. I sometimes read those stories of people that have been exonerated, found not guilty of a crime, but they've been in prison for 10, 15, 20 years. And I can think of a few things more frustrating, more aggravating. I don't know how you get over that sort of a thing to have been in prison. Your life ruined for something you never did. Maybe something no more than the wrong place at the wrong time. And there are people that are listening to me right now that in reality, that's the only thing you did was be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And just like this man with the palsy for 38 years, you're stuck. You're stuck in the land of what if. What if I had been born to better parents? What if my dad loved me? What if my mom loved me? What if my husband hadn't? What if my wife hadn't? What if the bully at school hadn't done this? What if I hadn't engaged in this? What if this hadn't been done to me? The land of what if. What if I hadn't gone to that party? What if I hadn't gone to that concert? What if 
they weren't my neighbors. What if I had chose to do this differently? And now you're like this guy sitting around a porch called the pool of shame. And the what if. And the reality is your what if is probably caused by a person. What they said. What they did. And for years now. Listen, God has assured my heart that there were going to be breakthrough for somebody today. I struggled all week long as he brought this to my mind. I said, I went back and looked. I last preached on this on January 20th of 2020. Those of you that keep notes. But he assured my heart it wasn't a wasted effort. So I'm going to plow on. I want to ask you a question. How long has it been? Five years since that was done to you? A year? Ten? Twenty? Thirty? My question to you is this. Who's worth 30 years? Somebody got in your way. Somebody got between you and the life that God had for you. Somebody got up in your face. And they ruined your life. And you're living in the what if now. What, would, what if I hadn't been treated that way? What if I hadn't been abused? What if I hadn't got addicted? What if I hadn't made that mistake? What if I... And, and, and you're stuck. And I first want to ask you, who's worth all those years? They've gone on with their life. They've married somebody else. They may not even know they hurt you that way. They've gone on to do other things, and, and you're the one that's left at the pool of shame. Can anybody relate to this? Now, to, to grasp this story, we, we got to, we have to look at this, this, this story, not through t- traditional eyes, but let's really read the story for what it says. We get into trouble in the church when we add things, or when we project You know what project is? You see what you want to see. Candidates are are measured by their ability to convey a message in such a way that people on opposite sides of a certain belief can project on them and hear what they want to hear. That's just human nature. 
you can say something and it be heard by disparate groups. And they're both hearing what they think they want to hear. Are you with me so far? And I, I think we Christians do that with stories. And, and when we do that, we not only then head down a wrong path, we lose the greater truth. So I just, wa- I just want us to back up for a moment. I want you to consider something. I want you to consider that the Bible never says that this angel that comes down and stirs the water is an angel from God. In fact, if you look it up in the Greek, that word angel is literally neutral. It doesn't tell us whether it's a fallen angel or an angel from God. It's just an angelic being. How many's with me so far? I could be wrong, but I don't know of any other place in Scripture where an angelic being is used for healing. I don't know of any time that God ever used an angelic being to bring healing. I don't know of any. Some people say that the enemy can't heal, but the Scripture tells us the opposite. In fact, in the last days... Not only the the Antichrist, but the false prophet will do mass healings. Miracles. And it's easy to heal somebody. If you're the one to put the disease on them, it's easy to take the disease away. Stick with me for a moment. Because I, 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 I think buried in this story is, is a truth that needs to be unlocked. Because... The enemy, listen to me, the enemy would love to have mankind think that God is okay with you sitting around wasting your life waiting for the slimmest possibility that you might be healed or delivered. He would love for you to think that your God enjoys, allows a situation where you just sit around and you're tortured with every moment with the joy and laughter of other people while you wait to get freed from something that was not of your doing. He would love mankind to sit around the pool of shame and wait and look at all the misery going on and occasionally once in a while an angelic being comes and stirs the water can you imagine what that looks like Can you imagine the result of that? It's like the $100 48-inch screen TV at Walmart on 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 the Black Friday. People will, how many know what I'm talking about? They will fight over a toaster. They will beat you up. They will shove, they will fight. 
They will knock you to the ground. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young, whether you're male or female. It don't matter. Don't get between me and my 50-inch Samsung. But if the battle is not for a 50-inch Samsung, but the battle is for a healing, for something that has kept me crippled for 38 years, what do you think took place? Now, I, I just want to suggest to you something. That that setup does not remind me any of the heart of my father. Where there are porches of people, lame, broken, diseased, sitting around waiting for an angel to come down and stir the waters so that an ugly fight ensue. And in the midst of all those people, possibly hundreds of people, one person gets healed, and all the rest of them sit there and say, they're sitting around a pool called shame. I, I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you, I don't see God in that. And you see, I, I see a different story. I see a very different story. I see Jesus to go into the midst of that mess, not to qualify or certify it, but to change it. He went into the middle of that mess, and it's as if he found the most pathetic person in the crowd. This guy had been sick of palsy for 38 years. Not only was he sick of palsy for 38 years, unlike other people in that crowd, he doesn't have anybody to help him. Jesus said, would you, would you be made whole? I don't have anybody. There's been times when he was there and the angel stirred the water. And Matt got healed because Matt had Jeff and Shane help him into the water. Are you getting this? But James doesn't have Shane or Jeff. And he thinks, listen to me for a moment. He thinks that's the reason why he's still there. Is because of somebody else's lack. Or the lack of somebody else. I'm going to tell you here this morning, flat-footed, eyeball to eyeball. You do not need somebody else to be delivered. You do not need somebody else to be healed. One of the most cruel lies the enemy ever conveys unto us is if we just get that person that hurt us to say they were sorry, I would be okay. I mean, what I'm talking about.
I don't say this disrespectfully. I longed for years in my life for there to come a moment when my dad would look me in the face and say, son, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You didn't deserve to be treated that way. It's all my fault. That day never came. But I'll tell you what did come the day when I didn't need him to anymore. I waited for decades, and it never came. And Jesus walked up to this man He walked up to this man because he came there to empty the entire arena. There's this misnomer that he came in and healed one person. He came in and dropped a nuclear truth bomb that affected everybody. Listen, listen for a moment. He didn't pray a prayer over the guy. He didn't wave anything. Didn't sprinkle any holy water. There was no incense spread. He didn't even bend down and help the guy up. That angel, quote-unquote, that stirred the waters helped one person. Jesus came in and dropped a truth bomb that had the potential to empty the whole place. Will you be made whole? When the angel comes and stirs the water, I don't have anybody help me down. Others get down in front of me. And I just, I just, I just... Excuse, excuse, excuse. And Jesus says, get up. This morning, the Holy Spirit wants to offer you an alternative what if. You're living in the land of what if. What if my mom had loved me? What if my dad had loved me? What if my spouse hadn't abused me? What if I hadn't been bullied? What if the teacher hadn't? What if my neighbor, what if my uncle hadn't touched me? What if, what if? Jesus wants to give you a different what if. What if God really loved you? What if He has better plans for your life. What if he was able to take that which was meant for your evil and use it for your good? What if you got a new heart? 
What if you trusted him to heal you? What if you got brave and just let it all out to him? What if you put on your armor? What if you lifted your sword? What if the next breath you took didn't end in an old God, but I'm free? What if you weren't worried about the person who isn't there and you grabbed hold of the person who is there? I said it before, I've been amazed. He says, I... He's sitting in that mess, and he says, I got nobody. (laughs) And God is standing right there. (laughs) You know, pain can be so deceptive. The creator of all things is standing right there talking to him, and he says, I'm not healed because I got nobody. There were hundreds of people gathered around that pool, and he's, Jesus is talking to the one guy, and the one guy is still convinced he has nobody. And the enemy has convinced you to be asking the what wrong what if. What if you got brave? What if this time you stood up knowing you're going to stand? What if this time you chose to believe the words of God greater than your pain? What if God loved you more than the person hated you that hurt you? What if that were true? What if he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think? What if you took the the attitude of those in the Old Testament that says, why do we sit here till we die? If we stay here, we die. If we go back, we die. Why do you sit around the pool of shame? When your heavenly father says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Why do you believe your pain more than you believe God? What if you believed God more than you believed your pain? What if you chose to make his reality your reality? Instead of always talking about your reality to him. We, we, we in the church have gotten to the place where we think prayer life is getting God to do what we want him to do. And if you think that's the answer, then you sit around the pool of shame and you pray, God, I, I just, you know, I want them to come to me. I, send me somebody. F- send something to fill this void in my life. How many know what I'm talking about? Fix this. 
What, what if God just said, get up? Listen to me for a moment. What if God wants you to walk for a limp with a limp for a little while? What if the only person keeping you at the pool of shame is you? Because what I see in this story is Jesus walk up to this guy and the 38 years isn't keeping him there. And the palsy isn't keeping him there. And the lack of opportunity isn't keeping him there. And the lack of friends is not keeping him there. Jesus dealt with what was keeping him there. I understand. I don't know what hole to plug that in. I get it. But the story, any good story out of the Bible ought to challenge us. Jesus looked at the guy with his disease for 38 years and said, well, he didn't say bless you. <laughs> if you're going to help me preach, then preach the truth, okay? He didn't say bless you. In fact, we do that too much. Oh, bless your heart. I'm not talking about not being compassionate. But if we're not careful, we'll enable people to stay in their condition. Jesus did not walk up to this guy and, man, I'm so sorry. 38 years, palsy, that's bad. You got nobody. You got to be terrible. How long have you been here? Oh, man. I'm all for compassion. I think we ought to come alongside somebody. There's a difference between expressing compassion and enabling. Jesus looked at the man and said, get up. I wish we could recreate the scene right now. You sit in this, it was a five-sided building. There were no walls. There were just pillars and a partial roof. And it's filled with hundreds of people. Most every one of them is laying or sitting down because they're diseased. You get it? The hustle and the noise of the city on the outside. And Jesus walks into the midst of them. You ever known somebody who when they walk in the room, they just own the room? Jesus walked on the planet and owned the planet. What do you think it was like when he walked in that room? Everybody stopped. It got quiet. He looked around. And he walked up to one guy. And just like now, you can hear a pin drop. He turned to this guy and says, would you be made whole? And the guy says, starts spewing his excuses. And Jesus says, get up. 
I know, we wanted to see oil. We wanted to have him bring in the Peter, Paul, and John band. Come on in. Okay. Get this thing going. Get it going. Okay, I need you 10. I need a fire tunnel. I need... Where's my oil? No oil? Give me the holy water. Give me something. Some people said, would say that he didn't heal the man. He healed the man what ailed him. He said, get up. Can you imagine for the first moment what that felt like? Holy Spirit just said this to me when I said that. I'm looking for somebody desperate this morning. Can you imagine if you're him? I, I know me, the first thought I would have had. Dude, you think if I could get up, I'd be laying down here? Come on, man. We moved to Tennessee. I found out you don't want to break down in your car at the side of the road in Tennessee. Okay? In Ohio, people drive by, beep, tell you you're number one. We had pulled over the side in Tennessee because we were just venturing around, looking around, and I wanted to pull out a map and see where I was at. I wasn't at the side of the road 30 seconds. Some guy pulled, y'all okay? <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm okay. All right. Y'all have a good day. And he drives off. I looked at Gail Beth. I looked down the map. Somebody else pulls up. Need some help? I have no idea where that fit into my message. <laughs> That's an honorable quality to have, to be caring about other people. But Listen to me. Jesus walked up to this guy, and he told the guy, get up. The Bible says immediately. You know what the Bible doesn't tell us? Because... It knows that we're smart enough to figure this out. I guarantee you, when that man stands up, this man over here that's deaf starts going. That person whose arm hasn't moved, they try to move their arm. Don't tell me you'd see that guy who's been sick of palsy 38 years. Everybody knows what he's been going through. Whatever you got, when you see him stand up, I'll take that. It's like you're at the restaurant, you don't know what to order, and a plate of food goes by. What's that? I want that. I want that. Listen, the man was desperate enough to try to stand up. Are you? What if today 
What if today you chose to believe all the good things about God and how much he loves you? If you think God is the God who sent the angel down to that pool of shame and watched all those people suffer for years and dangle before one at a time healing, the God you serve is different than my God. Because Jesus walked into that room and he dropped a nuclear bomb. He said, just get up. Just get up. And the dude stands. And I want to tell you, every eye left the pool and looked at Jesus now. Would you stand to your feet? Some may ask, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say everything the Word of God says and everything the Holy Spirit is quickening to you. That's what I'm trying to say. Everything the Word of God says and everything the Holy Spirit is quickening to you is what I'm trying to say. And I will tell you, if you serve a God who wants you to sit around the pool of shame, as life goes on around you, I want to introduce you to the God of the Word. Who says, I love the world so much, I gave my son that their condemnation and their shame would be taken away. And I've healed their diseases. And I've freed them from their bondages. Though your father and mother forsake you, I will take you in. So, Father, I just pray right now. I pray for not only these that are present here, but those that are connected with us online. I pray all that your word says, and I pray all that your Holy Spirit quickens to every heart and every life. Father, change our what if. Help us to no longer ask, what if I hadn't been treated that way? And to begin to ask, what if it were true, God loves me that much? Father, change our what if. I pray, Father, that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. And I thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.